Hi, it's the 2nd of March, 2018. I'm Dr. Jack Cush, Executive Editor of RoomNow.com, and this is the Room Now Week in Review. This week we've got news about gout and what saves lives. We've got news on natural products that actually work and a new way to diagnose myositis. At the top of the news, we have a report about FDG PET scanning and its utility in patients with large vessel vasculitis, things like takiasus and giant cell arteritis. It was actually subjected to um, a number of patients, and what they found in this analysis was that it had an 85% sensitivity and 85%, 83% specificity. Moreover, that when the PET was repeated, during the time the patient was in clinical remission, it was shown that an abnormal PET had the five-fold more likelihood of predicting a relapse, meaning that 55% of such patients would relapse, but only 11% with a negative scan would relapse. So that was sort of good news. I don't know about you, but I have a few Takayasu's patients who have intermittent blips in their CRPs, and it's hard to assess what their status is just based on the serologies and based on the exam. And you have to resort to imaging. I think this might be a better way than doing MRAs or CTAs. An interesting review of viscosupplementation of the hip shows that it does not work. Now, I don't know where you've been, if you've been doing viscosupplementation. Is it something you do while you're waiting for the patient to get better on their own? But it doesn't work. Uh, and there are certainly there are patients who swear by it, and are sh I'm sure that they like it. But uh, the, the overwhelming evidence is that this does not produce better outcomes when you look beyond three months and six months and whatnot. So it's been shown for the hip and it's also been shown for the, the knee. Why these are used, again, it's something to do when you don't know what else to do. Uh, an interesting study of 201 osteoarthritis patients assessed the, uh, the uh, efficacy of curcumin combined with uh, boswellic acid or boswellia, another natural product often purported to have some effect in patients with arthritis. Again, those are very vague. Again, the, the, those who are interested in nutritional products seem to like this combination or these products. But nonetheless, this was studied in 201 OA patients in a double-blind, placebo-controlled um, randomized fashion and shown to be effective. So I certainly know that uh, and, and, uh, turmeric and curcumin do have benefits. It's been shown many times before in osteoarthritis, but now combined with boswellic acid may be another option for those who don't want to take other forms of analgesic therapy. A new study shows that inflammatory myositis may be associated with anti-mitochondrial antibodies. I don't usually do anti-mitochondrial antibodies, but the study suggests that there might be a role for it. Specifically, the finding of anti-mitochondrial antibodies seems to be associated with a higher risk of severe cardiac involvement. Moreover, those, and only, this is a case report or a series of seven patients, so it's not a large number here. But nonetheless, you know, half of these people had necrotizing myopathy, and almost half of them had other autoimmune diseases such as psoriasis, PVC, and Hashimoto's thyroiditis. So, again, in the spectrum of laboratory testing that may want to accompany a new diagnosis of inflammatory myositis, it may be prudent to include anti-mitochondrial antibody testing. 
A very interesting study comes from BEST. BEST is the study that just never seems to stop giving. As you know, BEST was a 500 patient study that analyzed the comparative efficacy and safety of four different regimens in treating rheumatoid arthritis patients, early rheumatoid arthritis patients. What they did in this particular sub-study of BEST was they, they looked at those patients who had DIPs and PIP joint involvement. Uh, and they then, then looked at whether or not um, X, TNF inhibition affected X-ray outcomes. And what they showed was that being on a TNF inhibitor was associated with less progression of DIP joint osteoarthritis and uh, presumably less uh, de novo or new incipient osteoarthritis in DIP, but did not have a protective effect on the PIP joints. So what they showed was 2.3 less DIP involvement for every month of TNF inhibitor treatment that was used. I think that's surprising. It says a lot about the secondary benefits of TNF inhibitor therapy in RA patients. We do know that inflammatory disease is a predisposing feature for uh, degenerative disease. It may also say a lot about the idiopathogenesis of degenerative disease, especially in the DIP joints, and may merit further consideration. Now, you know there are studies that also have looked at TNF inhibitor use in patients with erosive inflammatory OA and have not been shown to be effective. So again, take it for what it is. It's a, it's a, it's a benefit uh, for your patients who are on TNF inhibitors. Another interesting study comes uh, as, a, as a case series of 134 patients treated with rituximab and specifically looked at the development of hypogammaglobulinemia. They found this to occur in 23 of their 134 patients, or 17%, and that's after a mean of 64 months of therapy. What they did find was that of that 17%, those people had a fourfold greater risk of severe infections, not nonsense infections, but severe infections. So the takeaway on this was that the baseline gamma globulin level Gamma globulin levels of less than 8 grams per liter was associated with future development of hypogamma globulinemia. That's also been shown by the study by Ron Van Vollenhoffen that looked at the risk of severe infections and showed that it was largely the starting out with a low IgG level was most predictive of developing um, severe infections and, and, and associated with rituximab use. And that was in patients who received 9 or 10 different courses of therapy. A new report comes from the orthopedic literature where they looked at hip replacement in the Swedish registry of hip replacements. So they studied in Sweden 131,000 plus patients undergoing total hip arthroplasty. And when they compared that to patients um, uh, that were age and sex matched, they found that survival of patients undergoing hip arthroplasty was 1% greater one year after surgery compared to those who did not. And it was 3% greater at five years compared to those who did not. The benefit of longevity and survival was lost when you looked at 12 years. So clearly there was a benefit of survival that lasted at least 10 years, and that this benefit was significant only for patients with primary osteoarthritis as their background problem. It, the worst outcomes were obviously were seen with hip replacements as far as survival in patients who had inflammatory uh, osteoarthritis, patients who had inflammatory arthritis, like rheumatoid arthritis, and interestingly, patients who had avascular necrosis of the femoral head. A new study on gout showed by Nicola Dalbeth and Hian Choi and colleagues 
looked at a, uh, uh, an analysis of 152 patients in Australia and uh, I guess it was New Zealand and the United States and they looked at patients who were on allopurinol and they followed these patients for over five years and they found that of the patients on allopurinol 70% of them st still had evidence of crystal deposition on dual energy CT scanning that's DEX scanning that gives you those nice bright lime green deposits that are quantifiable in the deep tissues. Um, more importantly, for patients that were on allopurinol and had achieved their target uric acid level of less than six, they still found crystal deposition by DEC in half the patients. But if you did not achieve your, your target uh, goal of six or less, in fact, so if it was more than six, 90% of patients had evidence of tissue deposition of DEC. Now, they did DEC scans in the hands and feet and ankles. They didn't do total body DEC, so they might have different results if they did total body DEC scanning, but this is interesting. It says that, you know, even if you don't have palp uh, palpable TOFI, you still may have uh, deep tissue de deposition of crystals. Another study about gout looks at the benefits of probenicid on the heart. You may know that from past reports here that uh, chronic therapy with either colchicine or with allopurinol reduces overall cardiac event rates and even cardiac survival. This report looked at the benefits of probenicid in uh, patients who had gout uh, and they studied their heart function. They actually did some in vitro animal studies um, to look at uh, myocyte function. What they do know is that probenicid has a positive inotropic effect hard word for rheumatologist. rheumatologist. Rheumatologist is a hard word for rheumatologist. Ionotropic effect on the cardiomyocyte. It does so by affecting uh, ion channels. These are transmembrane channels of what's called a TRPV, the transient receptor potential vanilloid 2 um, channel that is involved in calcium signaling transmembrane-wise. And that actually has an effect on the heart. What they showed was that, that patients who were on probenicid, they had an increase in myocardial function even after one month of therapy. So again, the mechanism by which probenicid may benefit the heart is maybe very different than just simple uric acid lowering, which is what happens with allopurinol. So that's good news for patients with gout and maybe a reason to revive an old-fashioned drug that's seldom used, probenicid. Lastly, there's a report about IL-18 binding protein in adult onset Stills disease. This is a new biologic called uh, tadakinig, tadakinig alpha. It comes in 80 milligrams, 160 milligrams. They treated 10 and 13 patients prospectively, open label, uh, increased the dose. Three, the drug is given three times a week for 12 weeks, and it showed significant clinical benefits, loss of fever, um, correction of many of the systemic abnormalities seen in adult onset Stills disease. IL-18 binding protein has been talked about for quite a while. Now we have that as a therapeutic option. New trials are going forward in this area and this will probably compete with inhibition of IL-1 and IL-6 as a potential new therapy for patients with systemic JIA and adults with Stills disease. That's it for this week in Room Now. Go to the website, find the links, read more about these interesting articles. Be sure to subscribe to us on whatever channel you're looking at or listening to. Thanks very much. Goodbye. See you next week.